Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing on this first Sunday in June? Where is the year going to? We are already in June. The summer is upon us. If you don't believe me, just step outside. It is like a sauna out there this morning. Welcome to Florida, everybody. Um, So good to be here. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you today or you're using a smart device, I want you to turn with me or swipe with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. Your Bible's divided into these two big sections. You've got the Old Testament up front, and then you've got the New Testament in the back. And then we're going to be turning to the Gospel of Mark, which is um, the second book in that second section, the New Testament. We call it the Gospel because Gospel means good news. And it's good news because those first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus. And so we're going to be taking a look at a piece of his story in just a few moments. So uh, Mark chapter 9, and we're going to jump in at verse 33 so that you guys can be prepared. Um, This is week four of our current series, Five Dysfunctions of a Family. And so three weeks ago, we talked about that dysfunctional families lack discipline. And we learned that daily discipline leads to a lifetime of discipleship. And then the week after that, we talked about how dysfunctional families lack uh, proper priorities and that our priorities determine our purpose. Then last week, we talked about how dysfunctional families lack provision, that your family deserves the best of you, not the rest of you. And today, we're going to be taking a look at another thing that dysfunctional families lack, and that is servanthood. Servanthood, man, what a tough message to preach. I hope that you guys will will lock in with me um, and know I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself, and you guys just get to be the audience to, to overhear what I'm saying to myself this morning. But um, the summer is upon us, and uh, this is the time when, when typically the American family decides to go on vacation. All right, and some of us, I don't know, like if you've ever been on a vacation where when you get back, you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation. You know what I'm talking about? Because when you have kids, anybody that has kids, like you don't just decide on a whim, like, oh, let's go on vacation because there's, there's plans that have to take place and you have to like pack for like months in advance. You know, like we don't just pack a suitcase, like we pack the house. You know, um, we're going on vacation. Sarah's got like U-Haul boxes out and she's taping them up. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, you never know what we might need. You know, we got like, we're we're like rolling up in a semi, you know, because we got all this stuff with us. And we are classic overpackers when it comes to vacation. And and that's, that's just the beginning of it. You know, you get all that stuff together and you've got it wedged in the back of the SUV. And I try to leave like a little notch, like right there, just at the top. That's like right in line with the rear view mirror so that I can see out, you know, just barely. Um, to, so, so that, so that, you know, it makes things legal or whatever. And, and it's just, it's packed up and we got stuff on the top and the kids are in the back seat and they've got their blankets and their pillows and stuffed animals. And we got snacks and all kinds of stuff. And then now we're ready to leave on vacation. And I'm already exhausted at this point because I'm the one that put it all in the car, you know? And then guess what? Now I get to drive 12 hours. Woo! 
Vacation! You know? That's how it is. And then really, vacation, it's just a series of, of comments, all with four words in them, from the back seat. All right? It goes something like this. You get in the car, and the first thing you hear is, he's on my side. <laughs> she is touching me. <laughs> I haven't even put the car in reverse yet for us to back out of the driveway. You know, it's, it is, or it's hot back here. It's cold back here. What's that smell? You know, like, the, what is that smell? Those are the things that you're, that you're hearing. We hear things like we, we, we're going down the road. Um, I need a drink. I have to potty. You know, like, those are the things that we hear over and over and over. I see blue lights. Now, hopefully you don't hear <laughs> that one. I can't see them in my little crack. You know, I, I, thanks for letting me know. Or the world-famous one that everybody wants to know, are we there yet? All right. Now, I don't know how your family is, but I get this question typically about 10 minutes after we've left. We are on the interstate doing approximately 79 miles an hour, and I hear from the back seat, are we there yet? And this is how I respond. Yes, we are. Go ahead and get out. Just remember to tuck and roll. No, we're not there yet. What are you? When we get there, I will stop the car, put it in park, turn it off, and I will say, all right, we're here. Let's get out. Like, that's how you'll know. Well, how much longer? It's crazy. And all of those things coming from the back seat, all of those questions, all of those statements, everything, it all boils down to one thing, is that the person in the back seat is more important than anyone else in the car. They think that they are in charge. They think that, that this trip, that it exists just for them and to cater just to their needs and that they are the only one with any kind of issues going on. The best thing you guys could do is just shut up and go to sleep and then when we get there, I will wake you up. <laughs> All right? And that's how it goes. And that's vacation. And it happens because we decided to bring a child into the world. That's why this happens. And kids, just by their nature, they're self-centered. Like, they're all about themselves. I mean, think about it. A newborn baby, it can't even sit up. Don't even know any words. Can't go to the bathroom. Can't feed itself. Like, what good are you? You just lay there and do nothing except poop and cry. That's it. And we made this decision to bring these children into the world. And then they get to where they can start crawling around, but well, why aren't you walking yet? You know, and like, those are the things that, that we want. And, and, and then we, we take them to basketball practice and piano lessons. And, and then we've got to buy them their, their car. And then, then they need money so they can rent their tuxedo for prom or, or buy their prom dress or whatever. And, and then they come home at the end of a long day and they ask that age-old question that just encourages parents so much. What's for dinner? 
And we chose to do this to ourselves, those of us that are parents. It's what we signed up for. When we bring a child into the world, us living for ourselves ceases to exist. Our lives are no longer our own. And then some of us, the most foolish of us, we decide not to do it one time, but we decide to do it again and bring even more kids into the world. Sarah, what were we thinking? What were we thinking? And we do this to ourselves knowingly, and we give our lives away to this precious, bouncing bundle of joy. We spend the first 18 years of our children's life making them think that it's all about them. And we spend all of the rest of the years of their life trying to convince them otherwise. It's not about you. And we're sending all of these mixed signals. See, if you ask any parent, any parent in the room, any parent that you meet, the majority of them will tell you that their kids are the most important things in their lives. And then if you go and you find that person's kid, they will confirm it right there for you, 100%. Yes, I'm the most important thing in my parents' life. It is all about me. That's what we think. And it's not just kids. It's, it's adults that struggle with this as well. I got to be honest with you. I'm the chief among us. I'm an only child, okay? Because when you reach perfection the first go-round, why keep trying, right? <laughs> like, my parents commissioned when I, when I was about 10 years old, I think it was, you, you guys are going to use this against me, but I got to tell it to you. My parents commissioned a painter, an oil painter, to come in and paint a picture of me when I was 10 years old. Because, I mean, like, I'm the golden boy, right? Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. I know you're watching online. And so somewhere there is a picture of me wearing, like, a, a light blue sport coat with a navy blue tie and navy blue slacks and some penny loafers. And I've got my leg crossed over like this in a very regal position. And I'm sitting in a dusty mauve wingback chair. And there's a ficus tree over in the corner. And I used to bring girls home to my house to meet my parents. And that was hanging over the mantle. Because <laughs> it's all about me. And that's what we think. And so I've grown up with that stigma on top of me. And it is all about me. See, we all love ourselves some us, right? That's what we struggle with, that thinking that this life is all about us. But we get it honest because our parents, from the day that we are born, they cater to every little need that we have. Every little sound that we make as babies, they come running to the side of the crib or the bassinet and we pour that onto our kids and then they turn 18 and we try, we try to tell them, I don't know who you think you are. This is not about you. And what are you, I've been living a lie, you know, my whole life. And that's the struggle. And it's not just for kids, it's for adults too. And in fact, the people that were closest to Jesus they struggled with this stuff as well. They struggled with this stuff as well. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. I'll give you a second to turn there if you haven't made it. Mark 9, 33. Jesus and his followers went to Capernaum. I, I like to think that they were going on vacation. He was traveling on vacation 
with the disciples. They were going to Capernaum. When they went into a house there, think beach resort, he asked them, I'm just kidding, that's not biblical at all whatsoever. When they went into a house there, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? I told you it was like they were going on vacation. Jesus is in the driver's seat. The kids are in the back seat. They're arguing about something. You know, he's on my side. She hit me. All of that stuff going on. And Jesus, he calls them on it later on. What were you arguing about on the road? But the followers, verse 34, but the followers did not answer because their argument on the road was about which one of them was the greatest. Jesus sat down and called the 12 apostles to him. And he said, whoever wants to be the most important must be last of all and servant of all. Then Jesus took a small child and had him stand among them. And taking the child in his arms, he said, whoever accepts a child like this in my name accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. So what's Jesus saying here? What is, what is he trying to communicate to the disciples? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Because this is what I think is, is really the crux, the, the central piece of what Jesus is communicating to his disciples in this passage. The big idea is this. We can live to serve ourselves or to serve others, but we can't do both. We can live to serve ourselves or we can live to serve others but we can't do both. Here's what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and ultimately us, for those of us who consider ourselves to be Christ followers. By the way, if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, you don't have to live this way. All right, this doesn't apply to you. This only applies to people who have surrendered their life to Jesus. So if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, man, thanks so much for coming. This is a place where you don't have to believe to belong. And we are so, so glad that you are here. But for the rest of this message, I hope that you get something out of it, but it's really not for you today. It's for all those of us who say we are Christians. We're Christ followers. We're Jesus people. This is what he's telling us how we need to live. He's saying we weren't just created for ourselves. That's what he's telling his disciples. You weren't just created for you. The world doesn't revolve around you. And in fact, as my follower, as a follower of Jesus, we weren't just created for ourselves. We were created for something much bigger and much more important than just us. And see, when, when we sign on and, and when we take a step to follow Jesus Christ, ultimately what we are doing is we're, we're taking a sworn oath to put ourselves in the back seat and to put others in front of ourselves and consider them first. That's what we're doing whenever we choose to follow Christ. And that might look something kind of like this. We got a 911 operator connecting to some guy named Paul Blart. He says there's a security officer in the mall. Hey, Blart? He's one of my guys. Paul, this is Sergeant Howard of the West Orange Police Department. The mall has been taken over and they have hostages. I need you to exit the building immediately. We don't need any wild cards in this situation. Copy that. Never been a wild card. <laughs> Unless you consider the game of Uno wild. <laughs> Blart, can we focus here, please? Yes, yes, sir. On my way out. 
Don't die. What? Don't pee. Don't pee. Everybody on it. Amy. What's he doing? Come on! Paul, come on! Paul, come on! Come on. Come on. What's he doing? Come on, Blart! Blart, come on! Let's go! Come on! Come on! Come on! Is he crying? I can't believe her. Blart! Blart, get back! Will you talk to him, please? Blart! Sir, I took a sworn oath to protect this mall and all inside it. What oath? We don't have an oath. I sort of made it my own. It's on a plaque in my room. Well, well listen, I think you're making a big mistake. Swat's on the way. And I'm not going to get it. You're untrained, you're unarmed. And let's face it, son, you present a huge target. With all due respect, sir, I can't observe and report from the outside. Easily. Well, Sergeant, looks like you got your eyes on the inside. I took a sworn oath to protect them all and everyone in it. We don't have an oath. I made one up. It's on a plaque in my room. I love that part. So for those of you that maybe haven't seen that movie and you don't know what's going on, the mall is overtaken by some terrorists and there's hostages left inside and Paul Blart the mall cop he has an opportunity to escape and to save himself but he sees in the parking lot the car of the girl that he is madly in love with meaning that she is still stuck inside the mall so rather than saving himself he goes back to save everyone else because he's taken a sworn oath to protect the small and everyone in it. It's not about Paul Blart. It's about the people stuck inside the mall. You know, he's untrained. He's unqualified. He presents a huge target. It's kind of like being a parent, really. We're untrained. We're unqualified. And we present huge targets in raising our family. But we embrace our children we do our best to lead them. We don't give up on them. You know, in, in this movie, he could have made his escape and told everybody else, well, you're on your own, you know. But instead, he turned around to give of himself to put others' needs in front of his own. We don't look at our kids and, you know, when they're infants and say, well, I, I made your bottle for you and it's right there. Like, if you don't drink it, that's on you. We don't, we don't look at them when they're in kindergarten and say, if, if you don't know your times tables, then I, I, I don't know. I, you're, you know, it's over for you. Like at those stages of growth and development, we don't leave our kids behind. Instead, we give up our lives. We sacrifice ourselves and our time and our wants and our desires so that our kids can have the things that they need. And that they want. See, children, when, when Jesus brings this, this child to him and, and he says, whoever receives a child like this in my name receives, receives me. Here's what you need to know about children in Jesus' time. They weren't important. They were just kind of considered like background noise. You know, they were often overlooked in society. They weren't, they weren't like welcomed 
um, in, in the big circles of adults. And so consider the attributes of a child. Here's why they weren't welcome. Because children, by their nature, they're helpless. They're helpless. You bring a child into the world, it can't do anything for itself. It's completely and totally helpless. It is dependent on you as the parent. Kids are hungry all the time. And whenever they're hungry, they cry until you get something in their mouth, till you feed them. They're hungry for food. They're hungry for attention. They're hungry for you to just pay attention and focus on them, them, them. They're saying it's all about me, me, me. They're hungry all the time. Kids are hurting. You know, when you're, when you're a kid, you, you fall on your skateboard or your bicycle and you scrape your knee. And then what do you do? You go run into mama. Fix my boo-boo. Kiss it and make it all better. They're hurting all the time. And so they're, they're needy because of, their, because of their hurting. My belly hurts. My head hurts. It's constant with a child. I think my daughter Avery makes stuff up all the time. They're constantly hurting. And whenever they find themselves in a situation where they're helpless and they're hungry and they're hurting, you look at that situation and you think, Psh, it's hopeless. Man, as a parent, sometimes we look at our kids, we look at ourselves in the mirror, and there's big like uh, black circles and big bags under our eyes for all the sleepless nights and everything. And especially when you bring an infant into the world and you think, man, I don't know if we're going to make it. This seems pretty hopeless. And Jesus is saying, whoever receives a child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. He's talking about what it takes to raise a child and to put another person before yourself, but it's not really about a child that Jesus is talking about. Because I, I dare say that those four characteristics, helpless, hungry, hurting, and hopeless, you know who that really applies to? It applies to the lost. It applies to people that don't know Jesus. And you and I, we would not have to look too far within our circles, too far out into the community to find some people who fit the bill of someone that is helpless. Man, they just need a helping hand. They got some issues. They got some problems. They got some stuff going on. And they just need someone to help them. Wouldn't be too difficult for us to look out into the community and find someone who's hungry. Maybe for food, but more likely for attention and affection. For someone to just let them know, we care about you. We see you. You are known to us. You matter. People are hungry for that in their lives. It wouldn't be too difficult and we wouldn't have to look too far to find somebody in our lives who is hurting. Someone who's got some stuff going on. They are broken in some capacity. Maybe it's because of a disease or maybe it's because of a divorce. Maybe it's because of a, a financial ruin. We see people, we pass by them in the grocery store, up and down the roads, in our places of business, everywhere that we go. There are people around us that are hurting so badly inside, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. People that are hurting 
And those kinds of people, helpless and hungry and hurting, they wake up every single morning in a state of hopelessness. That's how they feel. They feel like my life is hopeless. There is nothing that I can do. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I can't get a leg up. I'm struggling so much and I don't see an end in sight. And these are the ones to which Jesus has called us to serve. These are the people that Jesus has called us to seek out and to find so that we can serve them, so that we can put their needs before our own. Because this is the model that Jesus set up. Consider John 3.16. You guys know this. God's loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but would have everlasting life. He loved the world so much that he gave. Jesus didn't come to take. He came to give because he realized that it wasn't about him. And that's the model that he set up. It continued, John 15, 13, Jesus told his followers, he said, the greatest love that a person can show is to die for his friends. What? Yeah, die. That's the ultimate Payment, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate gift, the ultimate way to show that you are in the back seat and someone else is in front of you. They're elevated in front of you. The greatest love that we can show is to give up our lives for somebody else. Mark 10, 43 through 45, Jesus says, Whoever wants to become great among you must serve the rest of you like a servant. Whoever wants to become first among you must serve all of you like a slave. See, in the kingdom of God, it's, it's flipped upside down. It's, it's not top-down leadership, it's bottom-up leadership. And for those of us that, that we, we're never more like Jesus than when we serve someone else. Here's why. He says, for the Son of Man did not come to be served He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many people. In 1 John 3.16, John writes um, in this passage, he says, This is how we know what real love is. Now, he he, he had experienced this firsthand because he was one of the 12 that was there with Jesus. He says, this is how we know what love, what real love is. Jesus gave his life for us. But it doesn't stop there. It says, since that's what we know as Christ followers, as believers in Jesus, since we know that, then he comes to a conclusion and he says this. He says, so... We should give ourselves, give our lives for our brothers and sisters. Suppose someone has enough to live and sees a brother or sister in need but does not help. Then God's love is not living in that person. My children, we should love people not only with words and talk, but by our actions and true caring. It's not just about the things that we say. That's only going to get us so far. 
But to truly follow Christ, to truly put someone else in front of our own needs, to elevate them above ourselves, can't be done with just words. It's got to be done with action. We have to do something. We can't just come in this circle every Sunday and talk about it. We've got to go out there and actually live it out. See, this is how Jesus lived. And for those of us who claim to be Christ's followers, for those of us who claim to have surrendered our lives to Jesus, then if this is how he lived, shouldn't this be how we live as well? Right? See, we need to model this, parents, for our children. We need to model this kind of lifestyle for our children so that we can leave a legacy for them. And I know that this this series is is about families. And so that's where it fits into family. You need to model this for your kids. Husbands, your kids need to see you serving your wife. Wives, your children need to see you serving your husbands. Kids, when your parents ask you to take out the trash, you need to do it with a smile on your face and a spring in your step. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for letting me live in this house and for paying for all my food and for all my room and board and giving me my Xbox. I would love to take out the trash, Dad. Is there anything else I can do while I'm at it? Because that is, I just felt the Holy Ghost right there. Because that's what it means to serve other people. That we don't do it grumbling. It's not, oh man, because Jesus did this, I got to go do this over here. I hate serving people. You know, God loves you. No, it ain't that, man. It's doing it with a smile on our face, out of our heart, because that's what we were created to do. We were created for ourselves. We were created to serve other people. And we are never more like Jesus Christ than when we serve someone else. But it can't just stop in our family. We're not just trying to leave a legacy. We're not just trying to make a mark for our family. As a family, we need to serve in the community. That's why it's so important for you to come here and be on a serving team. Participate in guest services or security and parking or, or um, uh, serve in, in kids' walk together or, or in our student ministry or if you play an instrument or you sing, like, be a part of what God is doing here at Christ Walk, an opportunity to serve. You know, this morning, my wife, she was up here serving as one of the MCs, and I'm up here preaching the word, and my son was, was back in the sound booth earlier, and he was doing some stuff back there. My daughter is in Kids Walk right now, and she's, she was a greeter this morning, and she was helping to lead the motions for their worship back in Kids Walk, and all four of us as a family, we come to church to serve. My kids know because we talk about it all the time. We give our lives away to other people. But guess what? We're just four people. We can't do it all ourselves. And the way that the kingdom of God is structured is for us to all come together and collectively give of our lives to serve other people. Not just so that we can leave a legacy in our family, but so that we can leave a legacy in our community. If we will do this, it won't just make a difference. If we choose to live this way, it won't just make a difference. If we sign on and we choose from this day forward, we are going to be the kind of people. 
We are going to be the kind of family that we put others' needs before our own. It won't just make a difference. It will make the difference. If all of us in this room, right here, if we decided to sign on to this today, I'm not even joking. If we chose to live this way, a year from now, our community would be radically different because of the decision that we have made to put others in front of ourselves. And the reason we do this is because it's what Jesus did. It's the way he lived his life. It's what he was about. And Christ Walk Church and the pastor and his family and the direction we're headed and where we're going, we are going to be about what Jesus was about because that's what it's about is what Jesus is about. So that's what we're going to be about. We can't call ourselves Christ walk if we're not following Jesus. We're not walking after him. We're not following in his footsteps. That'd be false advertising. So we're going to be about what Jesus was about. And what Jesus was about was putting others before himself. Because we can live this life one of two ways. We can live this life to serve ourselves, or we can live this life to serve others. But we can't do both. We got to choose. And Jesus told his followers, if you're choosing to follow me, then you choose the latter. Because the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Now come and follow me. If you're here today and you'd like to do that, if you'd like to make a decision to follow Jesus, you've, you've never done that before, but you would say, man, Pastor Blake, the kind of living that you're talking about, that's, that's the kind of thing that I can get behind because I want to be a part of something that is bigger and more important than just me. I want to leave my mark. I want to leave my legacy, not just on my family, but I want to be a part in changing this community changing this island, changing this county, changing this area of Northeast Florida. I want to give my life to that. It's very simple. In fact, it's as simple as ABC. The way we accept Jesus and become his followers to A, admit that we're sinners. B, believe in Jesus as God's son, that he came to this earth and walked among us, that he was crucified on a cross, that he died and was buried, and then three days later, the stone rolled away from his tomb. And he arose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave in the process. And then finally, C, we choose to surrender our lives to him. Not make it about us, but make it about living for him to doing his will. If that's you today and you would like to do that, then I wanna invite you to pray this prayer along with me. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christwalk podcast. For more information about Christwalk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.